0: Everyone, and welcome to week two of the management series. This week, we are going to be talking about preparing uh, all of your back office and preparing yourself, of course, to bring on some sort of an administrative person. And we will also talk a little bit about using a virtual assistant or a VA. If we go back and we think about what we talked about last week, we established um, in our initial Are You Ready? Week 1 video that you have your systems in place, you have determined that you do need someone to help you administratively, you do have enough business, you know that you can financially absorb the additional costs of having someone helping you with the back office. breaking it down to if you just need someone to help you with scheduling, if you need someone specifically to help you with office tasks, or if you truly do need a manager to oversee your operations as that next step, getting you from working every day in your business to being the visionary that you should be in a rapidly growing business. We established all of that last week, along with numbers. If you did not get the opportunity to watch that, back on up and watch that first because that will make all of this make that much more sense. So I've got some notes down here I'm just gonna be looking at. Uh, So we did mention, of course, you can choose part-time or full-time in that week one video kind of talked about a really good flow as you're building up those positions to help you in the office with your management layers. Uh, so you can go part-time, full-time, you can just have that person who is solely responsible for the scheduling aspect of your services. You can go full bore with a manager to deal with onboarding, hiring, so many different opportunities there. And of course, there is the option in the market today of hiring a virtual assistant, which I do see is becoming more and more popular in our industry. So at this point, we need to start preparing for someone. Now, this is not just throwing it out there, putting an ad up and hiring anyone that passes the mirror test. That is going to be very unsuccessful and is going to be a nightmare for both that person who is looking for a job that is going to fit their passions and their purpose. And it is also going to be probably about one of the worst time wasters that you have ever had. Believe me, I have been there let's go ahead and look back at some of our questions that we had last week. So determine what your skills are. Um, I would say probably write down a list of individual tasks that you have each week, each, well, daily, weekly, monthly, those repetitive things that you do all the time. And then take a quick minute to look at that pile that you have. It's either under your desk or it's over to the side of your desk or maybe you have a really pretty filing system and it's filed in that filing system it's that pile of things that you you know you need to do but it's always like i'll get that i'll get to that later because it's not fun there's nothing sexy about that pile Uh, maybe you are not a spreadsheet person and it requires you to look over your financials and a spreadsheet and make sure that it's approved before it heads out. Maybe it's um, some people that you need to call and you just really don't like getting on the phone. So you haven't hit that yet. You know, maybe it is just those back office things that are not up front in your business. Um, maybe just dealing with the pets is what you enjoy and is your passion. And those are like kind of the things that Uh, You know, my accountant deals with that, or um, I'll get to that eventually, or yeah, I really know I need to do that marketing thing, but I just don't even know where to start. So, all those things get piled to the side. So, what are those specific tasks? So, you'll have your list of your tasks that you do yourself on that weekly, um, daily, weekly, monthly basis. Then you have that like snake pit over there that You keep ignoring, but you know you need to do. Uh, What do you enjoy most out of those? Typically, the things that are in your snake pit are the ones that you just don't enjoy doing. You don't have time doing. And sometimes those are the best ones that you can try to incorporate into a new position. So um, I guess that might excite somebody else. Other people love spreadsheets. Well, actually like spreadsheets. So I'm kind of calling myself out for that. But, you know, most people out there don't like spreadsheets quite as much and that just bogs them down. But there are people out there that get super excited when they see a spreadsheet. So remember that as you're looking for the right person for what you need. So you've determined what you enjoy, what you really don't enjoy, what you're really not skilled at, and you need to figure out what is your ultimate goal in hiring a manager. Is your ultimate goal getting to the point where you are hands off on the business and you have someone who is then going to run your every day? Or do you want to keep control and run that every day yourself and have someone who can Help you with these other things in the office who can support you and who can make sure that projects um, are also getting done and has additional accountability with that. You definitely need to plan out your org chart. Now, we had that at the end of last week's presentation, it was an example of my org chart. I am going to go ahead and pop in here just a uh, blank version of that. Um, So, with this. Org chart. This is a, a bit of a combination of different org charts that I've seen out there um, for you know a fair period of time. Org chart got a bad name, organizational chart, uh, because they could be so dry and crusty. They really are very important for you to determine who does what in your company and where your accountabilities lie. And additionally, who is responsible? You know, you've got your uplines, your, up lines, your um, supervisors for different layers. What you really want to do is take some time to sit down and think of your company in five to 10 years. Where do you want to be in the industry with your company? Are you wanting to have a full full deck of people who are able to control every aspect, who each have their accountabilities and responsibilities and they know what they're supposed to be doing and they are working in their zone of genius in their positions, which is creating an amazing company culture of support for your entire team. Is that what you want? Do you want to be that visionary, the person who is able to start new things and um, have new fun passion projects and can really branch out and figure out what the next big step is for your company. Um, So do you want that, the full thing, or do you want to just stay small? Some people want to stay with a small team, and there is no right or wrong in this. It is what is going to fulfill you and ground you in who you are, what your purpose is here. So take a quicker look or a deeper look in there. So I'm going to look at my sheet because it's a little hard to squint at that. So your visionary is typically your founder, um, usually has 10 new ideas every week. Um, That's pretty much me. So um, I I need an integrator, that person that can help me take those fabulous ideas that I have, bring the right ones out of the clouds down to the ground so they can actually be pushed forward as initiatives and projects in the company. So that integrator position, now in a lot of companies, the visionary and the integrator is you. In smaller companies, every single one of these boxes on here has your name on it until you start that layering. So the integrator harmoniously integrates the major functions of the business, has the unique ability to run the day-to-day, and integrates all of the different functions of the company. So the integrator is the glue when you have a management team. Uh, then of course there is your sales and marketing division operations your people human resources and your financial area so take some time what is this going to look like for you in 10 years right now if you are in that starter grower phase you might just have your name on every single one of these boxes but the first one you start to feel Phil is your field staff. Under operations, you start to bring in employees to help you in the field. Uh, client onboarding, um, any of your registration, new client meetings, meet uh, meet and greets, whatever you call them, uh, that's your client onboarding. So that might be you right now that is doing the uh, new client appointments. That might always be you. You might choose to have that face-to-face time with every client. You might have your staff eventually do that. You might eventually have managers do that. So you start filling in these boxes as you grow. Uh, When you get to that point, then you take your name off and you put the person responsible's name on there. Um, So that is just a bit of an example. I want you to take some time and go into each one of these areas and picture what you want to have that developed as and start backing up from there. Uh, You know, perhaps the next thing you really want to do is have someone who can just help you with uh, HR. Uh, Maybe your biggest challenge right now is finding someone who can um, process the applications, who can assist with interviews, uh, possibly doing Zoom interviews. Uh, can get people through the point to where you can make that final decision and then they can be responsible for the onboarding process. So perhaps that's perhaps that's what you want. Uh, maybe you need somebody under the operations hub. You're just tired of doing evenings and weekends and having the phone attached to your ear at all times. So maybe you do want to hire an on-call assistant manager. So, you know, as you start filling those in, you know, make a goal. Like in the next six months, I want to have someone who is helping me with onboarding new employees. Uh, Start to look at your internal team, if you do have one, to see if anyone really rises to the surface and you could possibly promote them uh, to those positions. When you're thinking about the next position that you do want to fill, uh, whether that is again, just part-time, full-time, if it's just someone who is doing administrative office work for you, like perhaps helping with the onboarding, someone who's actually doing your scheduling or a full-blown manager, you want to onboard them well. The most important thing when you bring a new employee on, and I've spoken about this before in the hiring series, is making sure you do it well, because if you do not, if you are not clear with your expectations and detailed with your onboarding process, you're going to both fail together on it. It's going to create a real disappointment. And little, um, you're not going to meet expectations as to what that position is supposed to be for either one of them, for either one of you, because if you can't communicate your expectations, they aren't going to be able to meet them. So when you are looking at uh, developing those expectations, I've spoken about this before, you need to outline your KRAs for the position. So KRAs are really key result areas. That is the high level responsibilities that this person is going to be in charge of. So let's take uh, bringing on that part-time HR manager. Uh, Maybe their KRAs are um, taking prospects through the hiring process uh, to the hiring phase. And maybe another one is successfully taking them through onboarding, uh, scheduling them with ride alongs. So you would have all of these different key result areas that you want them to be accountable for. And then you want to also have KPIs, which are your key performance indicators. Those are uh, how you can see that they have met their key result areas. So you will, um, you know, have like perhaps a survey at the end where your new hire gets the opportunity to um, explain or gets the opportunity to give you feedback on your hiring process and, you know, how clear the onboarding was and the different steps. So that would be maybe one of the KPIs for your new position is that the uh, new employee actually feels like the process went well and was satisfied with the way they were taken through the system. So those KPIs are um, are definitely just a metric to make sure that they are hitting what their accountabilities are. Uh, maybe another one of their uh, key results areas is that you are, you maintain uh, well staffed across your territory. And one of those KPIs is a measurement of the number of uh, part-time or full-time staff that you need in different areas of your territory. So uh, you want to have all of those outlined and clear for them. I'll go ahead and take this off. Uh, One thing that, that we use a lot of times is a 30-60-90 onboarding plan, which is detailing what the expectations are for 30 days, 60 days, and 90 days. Of course, 90 days being that typical three-month benchmark of kind of a probation onboarding period until you really have someone who should be efficient at functioning in their position. So write out just a little chart of what the actual expectations are. This is a good project for you before you hire someone. So you have outlined what your reasonable expectations are uh, that they should have accomplished within the first 30 days, 60 days, and then 90 days of being very independent because you do want to have this ready because this will empower your new employee it will let them know what your expectations are very clearly and how to meet them because you are going to have on these uh, 30 60 90s you're going to want to have actually what the uh, the goal is what you want them to be able to accomplish you're going to have how it is measured that they've actually won in that specific area, and then you're also going to want to have a completion date that you want it to be done by. Say understanding your um, understanding your onboarding process that you think that they can get that complete within the first thirty days. So you want to detail that you know they need to have the entire maybe use uh, one of the online softwares. They need to have that completely up and functioning as a. Um, a hiring funnel they need that functioning within the first 30 days and understanding it and managing it completely on their own so that's what you want to outline in that 30 60, 90 system uh, And then also with your SOPs, I mentioned that last week. Of course, everybody should be working on those. We are working on those big time in the PetBiz MBA membership this month also. And I'm working on it personally. It's an evergreen project, something you always work on. But most important is that you get started on your SOPs. And uh, with those SOPs, you want to... Uh, take apart the sections that this manager needs to have access to and make sure it is very clear how it is written out so they can do things in your absence and not have to ask you a question every minute of the day. Um, make sure that they have all the tools that they need to do their job well. So make sure they have their area of the SOP that is uh, pertinent to them ready and available. I just want to Talk to you a bit about my own personal story of how things can go terribly wrong if you don't follow some of these policies and bring someone on with intention, purpose, and clarity back in 2000. So again, I started my business in 1997. So I had been in business for uh, actually two full calendar years, two, a little over 24 months. Um, So it was uh, summer of 2000. I actually purchased an additional business, which then required my full-time attention. And I had a wonderful sitter who was young, but she was a real go-getter and was always yes to everything, loved the animals, did a wonderful job. And so with very little planning or attention, I handed the... Uh, Reigns over to her and said, hey, I'm going to have you manage the company. Here's how you access the phone. And um, at that point, we were still on paper. I'm trying to remember. I think we were still on paper back in 2000. We didn't have a software system. So I had her responsible for everything, including delegation to the couple other staff I had at that point. And I went off and started running my other company, just thinking everything was perfect. Well, I was, uh, it was actually July, yeah, July the 4th, the week of July the 4th. I kept trying to get a hold of her and I was calling her and calling her and calling her. I can't say I was texting her because we didn't have texting then. So I kept calling and it was just going to voicemail. And what I discovered seven days in is that she took off she just completely fried out and couldn't handle it anymore what i didn't understand is that i had completely fallen well victim i guess it was really a choice leadership by abdication that is when you do not bring someone on well and you just drop it in their lap and you abdicate you you leave you Don't provide any leadership to this person and guidance in what they're supposed to be doing. And that is what you can happen or what you can have happen. I had a five-day period where uh, a cat had no one stopping by. So that was a huge mess that I had to clean up back. I guess that was 22 years ago now and definitely learned my lesson. You don't lead people by leaving them alone so you have to make sure that you have some sort of a way to monitor this person make sure that they know what they're responsible for and there is accountability and you do follow up with them regularly to make sure that they are on task one of the ways that you can of course do that is making sure that there is the complete accountability charts you want to have some sort of a great communication system likely some sort of a project management system Uh, communication, Uh, Slack is wonderful for that. We use the Slack free version and for project management, we use Asana and we do have weekly check-ins to make sure everyone is on task. Um, You want to have metrics available for whatever that job is. Uh, If I think about the managers on my team, my general manager is responsible for the metrics of uh, tracking of how many people have contacted us, how many have closed and what our conversion rate is, our close rate on uh, people who are contacting our company. Uh, My HR person is responsible for all of our staff metrics of making sure that they are delivering on our promises of our company. So she is responsible for the staff metrics. My marketing person is responsible for her metric goals of the facilities and the pet professionals that she's reached out to. Uh, and so on. So we do have specific numbers that each one of our managers is responsible for, and they do report on that in our weekly meeting. Uh, So we make sure that we hold each other accountable in that case. I have my own metrics I'm responsible for. So that can all be put in a scorecard and communicated in a really easy way. Um, Usually I recommend creating a scorecard on uh, Google Drive in the um, Google spreadsheets makes it very easy for each team member to update before you have a weekly meeting so then it can be discussed. Uh, Lots of things that go into that. But a lot of those preparation pieces also go into using a virtual assistant. Since there are a lot more VAs that I am seeing coming up in our specific pet industry space, there are some things that you really want to know about hiring a VA. Uh, what I'm seeing out there is people think that VAs are like the magical, you know, resolution to the challenges they have of being busy in their business, and it really isn't. There is the same intention that goes into hiring a VA as does hiring someone directly in-house in your business. So there are several types of VAs. If you look out there, of course, you know you might see one of the industry uh, VAs that are out there. Um, you might um, you might just know one because they're popping up everywhere. Uh, one of my employees now has a VA company. That's why I say, you know, I mean, it's really, it's very low barrier to entry and um, it's challenging to find a very good one, but it is a low barrier to entry. Uh, you can find them on, you know, your your fibers, your Upworks, things like that. If you're wanting to do things on a project basis, but uh, be cautious because those kinds of, programs are really going to be people who are looking to individually freelance on projects and not someone who is going to be with you and integrate into your business and support you long-term, which is of course what most of us need. So back to the types of VAs, you've got your general VA who is usually doing just, you know, some of your tasks here and there might be someone who is, you know, managing your email, helping you with schedule, that kind of thing. You have your executive VAs, Um, those are usually high level when you have a large team that you're managing and just a lot that you deal with in general and they can keep your schedule, they can book things for you. Um, Definitely controlling every aspect that you have going on to keep you personally running well. Um, in your company, you can have, of course, your graphics VAs who are, you know, there working for you whenever you need certain things done. Perhaps a content person, you know, they can work virtually with you. I have a, a content VA who I contract to work directly in my uh, content marketing and content writing. Um, Sometimes the lines are a little bit blurred between here's a person I contract with and also a virtual assistant. If you really think about using a VA, this is going to be someone who, you know, you can't run down the street and have a cup of coffee with. So uh, these are sourced in other places and typically you're finding someone who has their expertise in a particular area. Uh, Of course, there are a lot of VAs out there that have expertise in social media things like that. And then uh, probably one of the bigger ones that I see requests for in our industry are technical VAs. And I think a lot of these VAs that have popped up don't realize they're kind of in that space. But if you have an industry software that you are using and you are looking for someone who works with that software, that is going to be a technical VA. And typically those are going to be at a higher price point because they have an expertise already in the software system that you're using. And it's much easier to integrate them into your operations. Additionally, because of their expertise, they might have shortcuts or no ways to help you use your own software better. It's the same situation if you're using a a CRM program, or maybe if you're using um, QuickBooks, there are QuickBooks certified bookkeepers. They have that additional expertise of how to specifically work within that software program to be more productive and give you better results. So if you do decide to go the VA route before you hire someone in-house for management, you still need to have all of Uh, those preparation pieces together. You still want to have outlines of your expectations. Um, 30, 60, 90 plans are great for VAs. You have to have a very clear method of communication. Um, You know, if you both do use Slack for communication, that is great. There just needs to be an understanding of when you can expect that VA to be available if you need to communicate. Uh, There should be some sort of project management or accountability tool like Asana. So if they are working on something, you can see where they are at all times without, hey, hey, what are you working on? What are you working on? Um, and then of course, making sure there is clarity on those due dates of what you want to have. So again, VAs are always an option, but they are going to be more uh, project-based and not you know, long-term supporters of your growing pet business unless this would be a technical VA that is specifically an expert in the software that you use. They typically are a little bit more long-term contracts. So most of what I talk about though, is being able to hire someone in your business, in-house to work for you. Hopefully this week has helped clarify a little bit about the preparations that are needed. So again, we're just not fog this mirror. Okay, you're hired. Uh, that is a train wreck for your business. So, first week we talked about are you ready? That was really just finding out if you had the base foundations ready to hire a manager, if your business was ready, and also if your finances were ready. This week, we have covered that preparation. And then next week, we will talk about how you can get out there and source them, the ads, and kind of talking a little bit about what that ad needs to look for and the qualifications for your new um, new part-time or full-time scheduler, office, admin, person, or manager. We're just covered it all in this. That person is going to help you push your business to the next level. What is your next best move? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pet Biz Hive. You can follow me at Pet Biz Hive on both Facebook and Instagram and learn more at petsitterguru.com. What is your next best move?